0: Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Carpenter, your host. We're going to be looking at some fun things today. How to correctly apologize for bad behavior. And of course, a march to the fall classic. And who are these Blue Jays? Yankees' sorrow and a look for redemption. So let's get started. Imagine, if you will, your pitcher is at the mound. And the opponent team notices that he's tipping. And I'm not talking about giving a little extra money to the waitress, 20% at least. No, I'm talking about a pitcher can show what he's going to be pitching next simply by his stance. Sometimes he'll be holding the glove closer. Sometimes he'll be holding it lower before he even begins his pitch. And these can be indicators of what that next pitch is going to be. An astute observer of the game often is in the posing dugout, and they can tell what's happening. (laughs) Can they? Should they? Would they send some kind of note, some kind of uh, uh, audible information to the batter to let them know what's coming next? Can they? I don't think there's any rules against it, but there is maybe fair play there's some issues. It's not quite the same thing as having cameras and banging trash cans inside the dugout. But it can be a little ugly. So recently, during a Blue Jays game with the the Baltimore Orioles, there was some question as to whether or not people were yelling code out to the batters. By that, I mean the Baltimore Orioles were yelling out code to their batters at the plate when Robbie Ray was up there throwing a pitch. And it got a little heated. There got to be actually a little conversation between the Baltimore Orioles manager Brandon Hyde from the dugout and voicing his remarks to Robbie Ray on the mound for the Blue Jays. Some of the language was less than suitable for prime time. So the manager of the Orioles, Brandon Hyde, had a few things to say to Robbie Ray when there seemed to be some indication that, "Hey, your guys from the dugout need to be ch- need to shut up, okay?" I'm trying to pitch here, and I don't need them sending some sort of code to your batter at the plate. Well, Brandon Hyde, the manager of the Orioles, took offense to this, and there was a little shouting back and forth. Some of it not what you would use in a grade school, okay? Maybe not even in a high school. But nonetheless, the language is there from Mr. Brandon Hyde, the manager of the Orioles. Well, I want to not so much focus on whether or not there was actually any observation to what was going on with Robbie Ray and any tipping. But I want to focus on Brandon Hyde, the manager for the Orioles. Because he did something I don't think a lot of people do well. And that was apologize. So many times, here, well, let's hear it first. I understand that some of my language was picked up on a mic by our dugout. And I just wanted to uh, apologize to all the fans out there. Uh, Blue Jays, Robbie Ray, uh, Charlie Montoya. Uh, there's no excuse for that. but uh, so I wanted just to apologize and, and uh, recognize that that was unprofessional on that part. You know what I liked about that apology? First off, he went ahead and acknowledged who he had offended. The fans, Robbie Ray, Charlie Montoya. He just flat out said that. The other part that wasn't, well, that, that clause you hear in so many apologies. If I offended anyone, I hate that, okay. If I offended anyone, no, that is a disqualifier for a true apology. He didn't do that. And the other thing about this apology, it came quickly. It was, I think, immediately after the game in a press conference. I'm sure somebody said something to him say, you need to apologize. But I think it was in the nature of Brandon Hyde had to do so. It felt authentic. And so many times... Apologies in the media do not. So anyway, Brandon Hyde, shame on you for your language. Uh, but thank you for giving us a true apology for some bad behavior. But Robbie Ray, who, who's he with? Yeah, we said it before. The Toronto Blue Jays. Who is this team? Yeah, let's see. I mean, it wasn't too many weeks ago. They were fourth in the AL East. But they have steadily climbed back. It's been interesting because if you look over this year, this poor team has had to play, has had three different locations for their home team. Okay. Initially, they started out down in Florida at their spring training location as their home field. That was interesting. And, you know, this is all due to COVID and Toronto being a little uh, anxious about COVID, as, as a lot of people should be. And then, so things got a little better. He said, Well, you know what? And let's go ahead and do like we did last year. Go up to New York and, and Salem Field. What is it? Uh, Buffalo. So they went not played there. In both these instances, the Blue Jays were doing well. You, everybody was excited to see Vlad Guerrero Jr. I mean, he was knocking it out of the park. But once they got back to their home field at Rogers Center in Toronto, things took off. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One of those is just having a great team anyway. That that started at the beginning of the season. Acquiring for $18 million Marcus Simeon, who has done a bang-up job of making sure that the Blue Jays are knocking it out of the park. And then the trade deadline. The Blue Jays, they acquired Jose Barrios. You know, they got him from the Twins. And he's proven pretty well for them as well. And there is a positive energy in that dugout, they have that much-heralded home run jacket that they put on. I love that because on the back of it, it has like the country or of origin or birthplace of a lot of these different players, and it is to celebrate that their own uniqueness, the countries where they came from, but their unity as Toronto Blue Jays. So that's pretty exciting too. Alejandro Kirk. <laughs> Man, he's been showing a lot at the plate as well. And as of this recording, on September 14th, Tuesday, it's, I think, what is it? I'm looking at the last 10 games, the Blue Jays have won nine. Nine games, one loss in the last 10 games. Who would like to have that? I think there's only one other team during the last 10 games who've achieved that. And not surprisingly, it's from the NL West, none other than the San Francisco Giants. The Blue Jays continue to be phenomenal. I mean, if you do look back to those past 10 games, four of them, four of them were in Yankee Stadium, where basically they swept the Yankees. Not only did they sweep them, for the first time since 1924, the Yankees lost a four-game sweep without ever taking the lead in a single game. Ouch. Tough time for the Yankees. Let's take a look at what the Yankees have been doing lately. Now, uh, their last 10 games, they won two and lost eight. Ouch. And a lot of that can be thank you for uh, uh, what came with the Blue Jays during that route. And part of it came with the Crosstown Subway Series between the Yankees and the Mets. And the Mets pretty much took it to the Yankees. At least they took two of the three in that series. And that series had its own little complications. There there almost was a fisticuff situation. And while we were talking about Brandon Hyde and some remarks going back and forth with Robbie Ray about possibly tipping pitches and comments being sent out to whoever was batting, there was some consideration that that might be happening between the Mets and the Yankees. Specifically, there was whistling from the Yankees' dugout. Yes, yes, boys and girls, whistling. And we're talking about Whistlegate because many interpreted that those whistles were actually a code being sent out once their batter was up there. And so they were seeing something in the mound and they would whistle two tweets, whatever it might be, to the batter to say, it's a fastball. It's going to be high. It's going to be up. It's going to be low. Was that really happening? I don't know. But there was a sense in the Mets dugout that dugout that it was. And once Francisco Lindor hit a ball pep out of the park, as he was rounding the bases, he looked out to his old friend Gio Gonzalez and basically put his fingers to his mouth as if he's whistling, then put them back toward his back pocket. All this while he's running the bases, as if to take that whistling and put it in your back pocket. Let's get rid of it. Some Yankees took offense to this. Eh, You you can expect that. But there's actually a a friendship between Gio Urshela and Lindor. And I think Lindor was, while he may have been making a light statement, most of it was in fun and in jest. However, later in the game, John Carlos Stanton of the Yankees hit a home run. And he wanted to answer basically what Lindor had done when he had his home run by going ahead and going slowly across the bases and saying something out to the outfield and to Lindor. And Lindor's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. It was all in fun. Thumbs up. <laughs> but some people in the Yankee Dugout got excited and upset, and they looked like they were going to climb out. they Some of them did. It looked like there might be a confrontation. But the whole time Lindor's like, come on, guys, just having a little fun here. Uh well, they did settle it all down. Everybody got back to their proper places on the field in the dugout, and the game continued. But Lindor wanted to make things straight. And it, it was in the press conference after the game. It's like, everything. oh, let's make a big deal out of this. We want to make it like it was a hockey game, and people were coming at one another with the sticks and knocking the heck out of one another. It wasn't anything like that. It was simply a bit of excitement during a game. But not surprisingly, the media latched onto it and wanted to make it the pivotal part of their conversation. Uh, See, one reporter, he was was asking Lindor, well, what what do you think about that? What happened there in the last four hours of the game? How'd you feel about that? And Lindor, when we're talking about people giving appropriate spots, like we talked about Brandon Hyde's apology, I thought Lindor really handled this well. He wasn't going to address that one moment, that uh, possibility of conflict. He wanted to talk about unity. Now, you got to remember, this is one of the highest paid people in baseball, period. But what he brings to the field, he also brings a bit of class. Here's what Francisco had to say to that media guy who just wanted some kind of hot response he could publish. Mike, actually, let's go over the whole weekend. Wow, what an amazing weekend, man. The fans, the Mets fans. Put up an absolutely show. Um, it was, it felt amazing. I told a couple of the umpires, it felt like playoff, but hot. Uh, playoffs time is usually a little cooler. Um, so, hats off to all the Mets fans and um, the Mets organization that put up uh, a great um, show um, on Saturday. Actually, the Yankees, too. They, they all got together and they put something very special. And this weekend wasn't, for us, it was for everybody that, that fought out there and, and contributed to um, something that's way bigger than the game. And contribute to something that is way bigger than the game. Rather simple words, but it gets the point across. And that's something that the entertainment of baseball should be. It should be bigger than a game. It should be about the fans. It should be about the excitement. It should be about record setting. And it shouldn't be about little squabbles. (laughs) And let's look at a magical number from another team, the Blue Jays. Number 45. And I'm not talking about a number on the back of a uniform. I'm talking about Vlad Guerrero Jr. and what he achieved last night. Number 45. That's the 45th home run that he's had this year. I'm curious to see if he can actually get it up to 50. Seems likely. And man, did those Blue Jays deliver it to the Rays last night. Just prior to playing the Rays, the Blue Jays were finishing up a road trip with four games with the Orioles. The Blue Jays cranked out hits like nobody's business. The last three games of that series, the Blue Jays totaled 44 runs. Count them, 44 runs. That's a 25-run differential, and that's on the road. And then imagine heading back to your home in Rogers Center and facing the Rays. That young Toronto Blue Jays pitcher, Alec Manoa, brought it. He brought it hard from the mound for eight innings. And during that time, the Rays remained scoreless. Not a single point up on the scoreboard. Prior to this game, the Rays have been doing pretty well. However, they had just lost a series to the Detroit Tigers. I don't think anybody saw that coming, and certainly raised it. But last night's loss was a severe failure. The Rays have been looking to break that cusp of 89 wins. You know, let's see. The the Giants did that. They've reached that easily. I think four or five games ago. But last night in Rogers Center, the Rays just didn't have it. Part of that was because of the offense. There were only two hits that evening. One was Joey Wendell, and the other was a home run from Austin Meadows. And that was the only run that the Rays recorded. Also, the Rays were suffering quite a bit on their pitching. Colin McHugh, who I'm used to seeing more in the latter part of the game, you know, sometimes even as a closer, He began, he did uh, what? He pitched 2.1 innings and he allowed three hits and had one strikeout. But then came Ryan Yarbrough, a man who is part of the five man rotation of the Tampa Bay Rays. And last night, after Colin McHugh stepped down from the mound, Yarbrough took it, but he too only played for 2.1 innings. And you're saying, bro, Really? Come on. I would I think Cash would leave him in there five or six at least. But no, 2.1 innings, and the reason for that is simple. Port Ryan only had—he he allowed 10 hits and uh, 7 earned runs, one walk and one strikeout. 10 hits, 7 earned runs. I don't know. He's he's obviously must having a, a very difficult time of it. After that, Adam Conley came in. He pitched for 1.1 innings, and he had two hits in one earned run. Nick Anderson, who everybody was very happy to see come back to the game, had some difficulty, too, with the Blue Jays, where they scored one hit on him but no runs. And Lewis had wrapped it up with one inning and uh, had one hit on him but no runs as well. So basically, I don't know what happened to Ryan Yarbrough. Great young man, but he seems to be struggling right now, and I hope he can come back for the race. But the Blue Jays, it was like the greatest hits. <laughs> uh, it was nuts. I mean, like talking about Vlad Guerrero Jr., you know, getting his 45th home run for the year. Boba was out there creating a disturbance as well. He had an RBI. Let's see, Vlad Jr. had an RBI. Teoscar Hernandez, uh, he was cooking. He had... Five hits and two runs in the game. Huge. And let's see. Who else? Alejandro Kirk, who we talked about earlier. You know, there he is with one hit and one run. Lurge Gurriel Jr., three hits, two runs. Grandal Kritchik had uh, three hits, one run. And uh, Valera had three hits and three RBIs. Gosh almighty, can you believe this? This is what it takes. This is a tight team who, <laughs> you know, they wear that jacket for their home runs for unity, and they definitely have it. Will they continue to move up the AL East? They seem evident as far as being getting the wild card. Right now, the win-loss average, they are 563. The Yankees are behind them but 556. The Red Sox behind them, 555. And the orioles three twenty two so the Blue Jays are only eight games behind the Rays. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> the Rays would have to really suffer poorly, and the Blue Jays would have to continue this streak if they were going to take the division. Don't know that that can happen, but I think that they will definitely be in the American League wild card because if we look down the rest of the American League, let's see what do we got. uh White Sox would definitely take their division. Right now, they're 12 games ahead of the Indians, and their winning percentage is 573. Astros have a winning percentage leading the AL West at 587. And the next team behind them is the Mariners with six and a half games. So that kind of gives you an idea of what's going on in the American League. So keep your eyes on the Blue Jays. It's been exciting. I think it will continue to be so as well. We talked a moment ago about the White Sox leading the AL Central and said they are 12 games ahead. But who is following Who is following behind them? Or maybe I should say falling behind them? That's the Cleveland team, soon to be the Guardians, 12 games back. You know, one of the things that Cleveland's going to be recognized for this year may not be just coming in second in the AL Central. There is a less honorable distinction that they will have. And that has something to do with no-hitter games in 2021. Let's take a look at the no-hitters for this year thus far. We look back in April there were two no-hitters, one with the Padres and they were defeating the Rangers. That was Joe Musgrove. Then the White Sox took on the took on Cleveland. No-hitter there. Baltimore took on the Mariners, no-hitter there. That was that one was in May 4th. There was actually three no-hitters in May. Yeah, and then the Reds took on Cleveland a second time with a no-hitter. And then May 18th, the Tigers took the Mariners. Then May 19th, there was yet another no-hitter with the Yankees taking on the Rangers. June 24th, the Cubs, they also had a no-hitter, and that was against the Dodgers. But guess what? After June 24th, pitchers' hats, hands, gloves, belts were being checked for sticky stuff. There were no more hitters in July. August, they came up with, uh, oh, who was that one? Arizona Diamondbacks. They had a no-hitter against the Padres. And then just on 9-11, September 11th, the Brewers took on Cleveland and had a no-hitter. Corbin Burns and Josh Hader came in and completed it. But the point is, Cleveland was the victim of three of these no-hitters this far this year. Not the sort of honor you want to take with you. Tough year, Cleveland. Hope the Guardians are able to do better next year. And lastly, I want to remind all of you that September 15th is Roberto Clemente Day. Many of you younger baseball fans may not be familiar with who... Roberto Clemente was. After all, he uh, he did play for 18 years in Major League Baseball. His batting average, 317, woof. He had over 3,000 hits, 240 home runs. He had 1,305 RBIs. Well, as much as he was a fantastic player, he had two times in the World Series, 15 times he was an All-Star, he did so much more. And to honor Roberto Clemente, MLB is allowing all Latin American players to wear the number 21. Roberto Clemente's life and what he gave, not to only to baseball, but what he gave to the world as a human being, as someone who cared, was important. And if you want to celebrate Roberto Clemente Day, I wouldn't say just wear number 21. I would say be inspired what he did as far as serving others. You know, he died in a plane crash, what was on New Year's Eve back in 1972. He was taking a cargo plane to uh, let's see, in San Juan, Puerto Rico, bringing humanitarian aid to folks in Nicaragua. The following comes from an article from Marley Rivera. St. Louis Cardinals All-Star catcher Yadier Molina, 39, the longest-tenured, active Puerto Rican-born Major Leaker, called wearing number 21 last year an extraordinary honor and a source of great pride. Quote, For all us Latinos who have played Major League Baseball and have had to deal with so many obstacle, obstacles, difficulties, and challenges, Clemente is a sort of, of inspiration we need to move forward and pursue our dreams and be an example to others on and off the field. We hope this day continues to perpetuate the remarkable legacy of number 21. Well, all I can say is inspire. Find a way to do something for somebody or an organization, and that could be a great way to celebrate Roberto Clemente Day. Thank you again for joining us here on Baseball Biz Today. And you can always find us on Twitter at TheBaseballBiz. I'm Mark Carpenter, host. And if you like, please go ahead and leave us uh, any reviews or messages and subscribe to us on podcast.google, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. We're out there. So thanks again. And we look forward to talking with you again real soon. Special thank you to x for the music rocking forward.